Amen. Thanks for coming to see me today, baby. God bless. All right. Amen. Let's take our Bibles out this morning. Let's open them to the book of Hebrews chapter 13. And I just have a couple of uh, more sermons to preach from this amazing book for me. You know, this, the passage of Scripture that we're going to share t- uh, together today, the, um, uh, the seventh, eighth, and ninth verses of Hebrews 13, I've actually uh, uh, preached from these three verses not too long ago. In fact, it was back in uh, 2021. And it was that sermon, and I, I was uh, uh, preaching, uh, I had a series of sermons I was preaching on the change that we were going through, braced for change. And, uh, and uh, I preached a sermon from this passage, and it was that sermon that actually kind of kick-started my thought or my thinking uh, in uh, the book of Hebrews and how vital it is and powerful it is, and it's what kind of launched me on uh, this series of sermons. It was actually almost a year later when I started preaching from Hebrews. Uh, but for those of you who mark these things in your Bibles, I mention that because I don't want you to think, well, he, this is just a warmed-over sermon, right? So I'm not preaching, you know, leftovers here. This is all brand-new stuff, so everybody just relax for just a minute. Let's, uh, let's just read the text, beginning in verse 7. It says, Remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you. As you carefully observe the outcome of their lives, imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't be led astray by various kinds of strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be established by grace and not by food regulation, since those who observe them have not benefited. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his word. Now, Hebrews was written by... Uh, perhaps the Apostle Paul, or someone who was concerned about the faith of the people that he ministered to, or to his congregation perhaps, or maybe it was a larger, broader congregation of just uh, Jewish Christians who had put their faith in Jesus, and they had followed him by faith, but then they had run into some hard times. Anybody testify to that? Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're not going to have hard times. Maybe you're going to face persecution. You're going to face trial. Maybe some tribulation. Some bad things are going to happen to you. What does that do to my faith? And these, uh, these folks who had followed Christ and were... Um, uh, were faithful at one time, they were thinking about turning back. And so the writer of Hebrews here is encouraging them in their faith, all right, that, that this, this life in which we live is a marathon, a race, and it's not just a short race, it's a long race, and it takes faith to run it. You have to run by faith, and you have to keep on running because sometimes you want to quit, but if you're going to reach the goal, you've got to keep your eyes on the prize. And so the prize is Jesus. And I've entitled all of these sermons, uh, the, the, the title of the series is Eyes on the Prize. The eyes are the prize is Jesus. And so as we run the race of faith, and this is the message for all of us, 
as we run the race of faith, this life of faith, we've got to keep on running. Just keeping your eyes on the prize. Sometimes it's going to be hard. Sometimes it's going to be difficult. There are going to be people that come along and say, why don't you just drop out? Why don't you just quit? The adversary is going to whisper in your mind, it's too hard. It's too difficult. This isn't worth it. God's, God's not faithful. Whatever it is, why don't you just quit? But the writer said, no, but keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Now watch this. Faith has an object. It always has an object. Faith is not just believing something. It's not just a set of doctrines. Now, doctrine or theology is important or vital for our faith, but it is not what faith is. Faith takes the theology or doctrine and acts upon it based upon the relationship that you have with God. And that's why this eighth verse here is, the, is a very important verse because the object of our faith or the prize that we keep our eyes on is Jesus, okay? It's Jesus. It's a person. It's Jesus. Well, who is this Jesus? If he's going to be the object of your faith, the author, the finisher, if he's the prize, you keep your eyes on him, who is he? And so he says, and that's one of the things that the entire New Testament is trying to bring us, you know, to this place, this understanding, so that we can have a living relationship with him. Who is Jesus? And so he says here in this eighth verse that Jesus Christ is, what? The same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, in that eighth verse, which is going to be our key verse today, I want to just point a couple of things out to you. First of all, I want you to see the name Jesus Christ. He doesn't just say Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't say uh, Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's very specific and very definite, Jesus Christ. Now, get this. Jesus is God in the flesh. He's the one who came, lived a sinless life, died on a cross, rose again on the third day. He is our Savior. Christ is the ruling King of kings, Lord of lords, the one who is coming. Put those two things together, Jesus Christ, the one who was, who is, and is to come, the one who, uh, uh, or God in the flesh, who saves us by his death on the cross and his resurrection, and who lives and rules and reigns today. It's not just that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It is not just that Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Put those together. It is Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, I find significance in the name Jesus Christ, but there's also significance in the word same. Jesus Christ, the same, really is the way the Greek text reads. There's no is there. Jesus Christ, the same. And, you know, I got to thinking about this, and quite honestly... We don't always appreciate, or maybe I, I should say, I don't always appreciate the same. You know, the same can be very boring, can it? I mean, if, you, uh, if I come up to you and I say, hey, what's going on? How's, it, how's everything going, you know? And, uh, and there's not a whole lot of stuff happening with you, and you would just say, well, same old, same old, right? What does that mean? It's just dull, boring, you know? I mean, it's the same old stuff. I'm doing the same thing over and over and over again. It's not really exciting or anything. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about um, my time in the Navy, and I, 
Uh, I uh, served for three years aboard one of our nuclear submarines. It was a ballistic missile submarine. It's called a Boomer. We carried 16 Trident One missiles. And the job, or our job, was to go out and remain hidden. We would go out uh, into the middle of the ocean and just kind of hang out out there so that uh, if the Soviet Union at that time, and this was, uh, you know, late 70s, early 80s, if they ever fired, fired their missiles at us, then we would have something, you know, our, we would have some response. And so that was our job, to go remain hidden. And uh, in fact, we would talk about it this way. What have you, what have you been doing? What did, Dad, what did you do in the Navy? I'll tell you what I did. I poked holes in the ocean. That's all we did. We just went out and we just kind of went around. We called it three knots to nowhere because we would just... 30 turns on the, uh, 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 on the propeller, steady state, steady state, steady state. I would uh, stand watch in the engine room, and it was the same thing day after day after day. I had to, every hour I had to take logs and write down the readings, you know, the pressures and everything else. Nothing ever changed. 68 days straight, I was underwater taking logs every day. Everything was the same. It never changed Three knots to nowhere, steady state, same-o, same-o, it's dull and boring. But when you say that Jesus Christ is the same, beloved, I want you to know that's not dull and boring. In fact, that's very exciting, and, and what I really want to do today is I want to show you how exciting that is, or, or what that really means to say that Jesus Christ is the same. That is, that Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, God, the one who saves us, does not change. You know, the Bible teaches this very clearly. number of different places. Let me give you a couple of verses. Malachi 3, 6, for example. The Bible says, because I, the Lord, have not changed, and this is God speaking, because I, the Lord, have not changed, you, descendants of Jacob, have not been destroyed. In other words, it's a really good thing that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because if he wasn't, if he changed, then we would be destroyed. Why? Because he makes this covenant, and he says, this is what you are to do. And if you don't do it, then you're going to be destroyed. But in grace, because he is the God of grace and he does not change, sinners are not destroyed, right? <laughs> it's a good thing what I'm saying is the same. You understand? In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 25, Samuel said, Furthermore, the eternal one of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a man who changes his mind. Now, now what Samuel's talking about there is all the gods of uh, the, the people that surrounded them. The, the gods of antiquity, are, and especially the gods of mythology, and I'm thinking specifically about the gods of Greece or Rome, and some of you studied mythology in school. Uh, those gods were very capricious gods. They changed their mind, and they played uh, tricks on people, and, and they might get up on the wrong side of the bed, and then, uh, uh, you know, you were toast, or, uh, you know, they would do something to you. This is the way that the ancient people pictured their gods. They were more like a man. They would, sometimes they would lie. They would do this, or they would do that. That was good, or that was bad. And, uh, and it wasn't always a good thing, these gods. And so to have a god who is the same, who does not change. He's not capricious. He doesn't lie. He doesn't play tricks on people. The theological term for this is immutable. So when we talk about the immutability of God, 
That means that God is the same. That what, what, you, what you see is what you get. He does not change, meaning that you can trust him, that he is faithful, that no matter what comes along, God is going to be there. He is the same. Praise God. And so our writer here says that Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, the, uh, uh, the, the Jesus of history and the Christ of eternity is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, real quick, I just want to walk you through those words, and let's just look at what it, re, uh, what it means practically for a child of God or someone like you and me to say Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, all right? So just very simply... And I call this the blessing, right? The blessing of the same. It is a blessing that Jesus Christ is the same. It is a blessing that God does not change. And I'll show you how that works. First of all, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. There's the blessing of yesterday. Now, that word yesterday in verse 8 actually connects us back to the previous verse. I want you to look back at verse 7. He says, remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you. Now, the implication there is, is that these leaders have been faithful, but they were faithful in the past, and now they're no longer there. Maybe they died. Maybe they moved on. Maybe they were called to another church or whatever it was. But anyway, they were faithful, and now they're no longer there. In fact, he says, um, uh, carefully observe the outcomes of their life. That is, uh, they had run their race. They had been faithful. They finished the course in some way. Maybe they uh, had died. Maybe they'd been martyred, whatever it was. He said, look at their lives, but then look at what he says. He says, imitate their faith. Now, he doesn't say imitate their lives. That is, do what they do, because we're all called to different things. But not only that, we all fail. But faith doesn't ultimately. So he doesn't say, Observe their lives and then imitate the things they do or do the things they do. He says, observe their lives and imitate their faith. Imitate their faith. I want to tell you that this particular verse is very challenging to me as a pastor because uh, I understand that as a pastor, as a leader of the church, that people are, uh, people are watching me and looking at my life. And I also understand because I know my failure. And uh, there's another person in the room here in particular that could bear testimony to this, that I'm not perfect. And I don't want you to ask any questions. And nobody has to give testimony here today. You know, the Apostle Paul, and I was talking about this with, uh, with another uh, member of our church. We were talking on the phone just this past week. And she mentioned this verse, Philippians 4, 9, in which the Apostle Paul said, those things that you have seen and heard in me, do those things. In other words, he says, what you've seen, what you've seen in me, the things, imitate, do what I do. I mean, that's what he's saying. And to me, that's a pretty bold statement. Because, you know, I'm, I'm honestly, because I know my life, most of the time what I want to say is, hey, do what I say, not what I do. Because there's going to be times when I fail. There's going to be times when I fall short because I'm just a human being. I mean, to me, it's a great challenge to hear that, you know, people are looking at my life and watching my life. And I personally believe that as a pastor, one day I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to give an account for well, not only the way I lived my life, but the way that I lived before my congregation. I'd like to be able to say, hey, imitate my faith. Imitate my faith. And I tell you what, every leader in the church, ought, this ought to humble each one of us. Every deacon, people are looking at you. Every deacon's wife. Every Sunday school teacher. 
Anybody that has a position of place of leadership in the body of Christ, basically what we're saying is, hey, observe my life, imitate my faith. Imitate my faith. But watch this. We all fail. This is why this is so humbling to me. It's because we fail. But not only that, I've come to recognize, and particularly this last year, that, that my body is failing. And, you know, it dawned on me as I was studying this that one day I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be like this guy who says, hey, remember the leaders of the past, right? One day, First Baptist Church, Brazoria, is going to have to get a new pastor. But we're never going to have to get a new savior. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You get that? You get that? One day, Brother Greg's going to be gone, but Jesus is still going to be here. He rules and reigns today. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We'll have to get a new preacher, but we're not going to have to get a new Savior. And so as a church, as a, an individual, right, to be saved in Christ Jesus, who is the same, that's a great blessing. I want you to notice, we're talking about the, uh, when we say he is the same yesterday, we're talking about the Jesus of history now. And, you know, we just came through Christmas, and there's a very precious verse all the way back in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, where it says, Bethlehem Ephrathah, you are small among the clans of Judah. One will come from you to be ruler over Israel for me. His origin is from antiquity, from ancient times. Or as the King James says, from the ancient of days. He is the ancient of days. Days. The ancient of days, the one who existed before time, who created time, he came in time and he did something in John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. It says, In the beginning was the Word. And you got to ask yourself, Well, who's he talking about? What's the Word? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was was God. And now we begin to, to understand part of, the, uh, uh, part of the, 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 the Trinitarian or the fullness of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. How is that even possible, right? Because Father, Son, and Spirit, we'll, we'll have to get into that some other time. But then he says, he was God in the beginning, or he was with God in the beginning. That is, and, and we're going to come to find out that this Jesus was the agent of creation. He is God, the ancient of days, from of old and that God is the same. In that first chapter of John, you get down to verse 14, and it all begins to uh, come together. He says, and the Word became flesh. Now we know who the Word is, who we're talking about. We're talking about Jesus, God in the flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, that of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the same yesterday. And what did he do? He came in history. And he lived a sinless life, praise God. And he died on a cross for your sin and my sin. And he rose again on the third day. And that Jesus Christ is the same. He is the same yesterday. He was exactly who he said he was, and he did exactly what he said he would do. And then the writer says here as we continue on, he says, and Jesus Christ is the same today. He is the same today. Now, 
When it says that he is the same today, we're talking about the present time. We're talking about right now. We're not just talking about back then when the book of Hebrews was written. We're talking about right now. Now watch this. The Jesus who came in history is the same Jesus today. He was the same yesterday. He is the same today. That is, the historical one is the contemporary one. The one we look to for faith or in faith is not just past tense. He is present tense today. And I think we constantly need to be reminded of this, and I'll, t- I'll explain why. Uh, there's a real famous preacher. His name is George Mueller. He's also a, his, uh, a, a theologian. And, uh, but he, it is said that, that uh, George Mueller kept a, he was a pastor, preacher, teacher, theologian. He kept a, 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 a thing on his desk, a little, what do you call it, a little sign on his desk, or a little, what would we call it, plaque or whatever it was, a little sign on his desk, and it said two words, and today, and today. And what he was doing, he got it from this verse, he was reminding himself that Jesus is the same today also. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher from London back in the 1800s, he said, it is folly to think the Lord provides grace for every trouble but the one you're in today. Right? This is why we need to be reminded that he is the same today. Here it is, beloved. The Bible is not just a history book about what God did in the past The Bible is an instruction manual of what God does in the present today because he is the same today and today. The Bible is relevant to us today. This is why we preach the Bible. It's why we teach it. It's why we come to it. We study it because what God was, he is. He continues on. He is the same yesterday, today. And you can trust this Jesus If you could trust him in the past, you can trust him today. He is the source of our faith today. He is the source of our salvation today. He is now, today, and you can trust him regardless of what your circumstances are. And this is what a very mature faith does. It looks to Jesus, not just in the past, but today. In John chapter 11, there's a story of, uh, or there's an account of a friend of Jesus who died. His name was Lazarus. And when Jesus finally got to the funeral, he had been dead four days. They had already had the funeral. He's in the tomb. And Jesus stands outside the, uh, uh, the tomb with uh, the sister of Lazarus. Her name is Martha. And she's weeping. She's crying. She had asked Jesus to come. She had hoped that Jesus would come and heal her brother. Jesus hadn't come. And now she's devastated because her brother is dead. And in verse 21, of John 11, she says, Martha, then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Now, notice past tense there. If you had just been here, this is the way we were praying. This is what we were hoping. If you had just been here, my brother would not have died, and you weren't. We prayed. We asked. We didn't get the answer we were looking for. Lazarus died. But now look at the next verse, verse 22. Yet even now. Look at that. Yet even now, she says, here's the faith. 
Yet even now I know that whatever you ask from God, he will give it to you. That's mature faith, beloved. Mature faith looks to God and say, God, it didn't turn out the way I'd hoped it would. I've been praying this way. I've been looking for this. I've been hoping this way. I've been searching. I've been trying. It didn't work out that way. But even now, I know you are still the same today as you are in the past. And I trust you. I believe you. Even now. Do you have an even now faith? Could you say to Jesus, hey, I, I, I don't know exactly what's going on, and it hadn't worked out, and I've been praying. But even now, I know you are faithful. You need an even now faith, beloved, if you're going to make it to the end. Keeping your eyes on the prize is an even now faith. Because Jesus, and you can have an even now faith if you understand Jesus is the same yesterday and today. Even now, he says, even now. And then we know that Jesus is the same forever. Or he says, Jesus Christ is the same Forever. Now, yesterday and today are terms that, uh, that emphasize the continuity between the past and the present. When you use the word forever, now you're stretching on to the very end, whatever the very end might be. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, what this means or what this implies is that Jesus is the Lord of time and eternity. Now, get this. He is the God of time and eternity. Yesterday, um, uh, we had a service out at the prison. And uh, I was talking to, uh, I, I preached a sermon uh, that included a, a part on stewardship. Now, I want you to think with me for just a minute. Uh, you're an inmate in uh, prison out there, and, and they're not allowed to have money. And it doesn't mean they don't have money, but for the most part, they don't. Not supposed to anyway. They get money on the books. People can put money on their books, and they can buy stuff from commissary. Basically, that's all they're supposed to be allowed to do. There's some other things that happen out there. But anyway, you don't have anything. And so I asked the guys, what is the most precious? We're talking about tithing now. How do you tithe? How are you a faithful steward if you don't have anything, if you don't have any money? How do you do that? And so, and so we're, we're organizing the church out there. These guys are going to be uh, members of the church. But how are you a faithful steward? And if stewardship faithfully for a child of God begins with the tithe, this is what we've been teaching, right? How do you tithe if you don't have no money? And so I ask these guys, what's the most important or the most significant thing or the most valuable thing that you possess you know what, one guy right over here, he stood up. You know what he said? Time. Time. He said, you know, when it comes down to it, that's all we got is time. And you know, I got to thinking about that. That's, that's true with all of us, right? Some of us got maybe a little more time than others. Some of us have been here for a longer time. But sooner or later, time's going to run out. But Jesus, he's the Lord of time. What would that mean in my life if I tithed my time or if I gave my life back to him and said, here is my life, it belongs to you. Jesus is the Lord of time. And beloved, he's the Lord over your time, whether you recognize it or not, or realize it or not. And he's given you a certain amount of time. How much, I don't know. I don't know how much time I have. Certainly don't know how much time you have. 
But he's given it to you. And wouldn't it be a tragedy to stand before God and say, well, all I did was make time, serve time, do time, waste time. I never really did anything with my life. You see this in the Gospels. Jesus, you know, preaches on this over and over again. Here's a guy. He's given, he's given a talent. These other guys give him five talents. He's given three talents. This guy's given one. And this guy with five, he does something with his. This guy with three, he does something with his. They're both rewarded for the same thing because they, because they, uh, they took their time, their talents, and they, and they uh, used it for the Lord. But here's a guy who just went and buried his, and he's the one that's sent off uh, for wasting his time. You know, we're all just given a little bit of time. Jesus is the Lord of time, and he's faithful. When we say Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, he's faithful then, he's faithful now. He's, he'll be faithful then. If you look at the book of Revelation, Revelation 1.8, the Lord Jesus himself said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega uh, the one who is and who was and who is to come, the almighty one. The one who was, is, and is to come. That is, I'm the Lord of forever. In Revelation chapter 11, the trumpets are being sounded. And when that seventh trump sounds, and I personally believe this is the last trump, this is the final trump. When that seventh trumpet sounds, uh, this is when Jesus comes again. It's my personal belief what revelation is teaching and when that trumpet sounds there's a voice from heaven and this is what the voice says the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our lord and of his christ and he will reign forever and ever the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our lord and of his christ and he will reign forever and ever there was a dude by the name of uh, Frederick Handel. And uh, back uh, in the 1800s, he wrote an oratorio that he titled The Messiah. And uh, basically scripture put to music. And he, uh, he was meditating on Revelation chapter 11. He, he said that this phrase gripped him that he shall reign forever and ever he shall reign forever and ever and i don't know if you've heard that before right but but in in the the finale of of messiah of the messiah is something called the hallelujah chorus right and in the hallelujah chorus he repeats 10 times and he shall reign forever and ever and he shall reign forever and ever and he shall reign forever and ever it was said that the first time that uh, uh, that the messiah was performed publicly in london king george ii who is the 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 ruler of uh, england at the time he was in attendance and when they got to the hallelujah chorus he was so overcome with the majesty of god and he shall reign forever and, ever. and here's the ruling monarch of great britain and he shall reign forever and ever. And, oh, King George, he stood. Because you always stand in the presence of royalty. And when the king stands, everybody else stands. And so it has become a tradition 
since then, every time uh, the Messiah is performed, when you get to the Hallelujah Chorus, everybody stands because he shall reign forever and ever. And uh, uh, you always stand in the presence of royalty. Well, beloved, oh, King George has passed away. He's dead and gone, but King Jesus still rules and reigns, and he shall reign forever and ever and ever. And I want you to see the significance of this. If that's true, now, if it's not true, then let's go figure out what is true and let's worship that, right? But if Jesus is the Christ who rules forever and ever, I want you to see that you are secure in your salvation. In uh, the seventh chapter of Hebrews, uh, we saw this. It said, therefore, he, speaking of Jesus Christ, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him since he always lives to intercede for them. There's a beautiful picture there of, of the present ministry of the Lord Jesus on your behalf in the very presence of the Father. You can, you can picture the throne of God and the Son and the Spirit. The Spirit lives within you, and the Spirit prays and groanings unutterable, but you got something going on in your life, and, and the Lord Jesus himself is saying, hey, Dad, that one belongs to me. Hey, let's get to You know, I mean, that, that's the implication of that verse, but watch this. If Jesus has saved you in the past, if you are saved, right, then you are secure in that salvation because if you could lose that salvation, it would mean that Jesus changed. If he saved you once and then lost you, he's not able. He's not the ruling King of kings and Lord of lords. He's not the same yesterday, today, and forever. But if you are saved and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then you are secure in that salvation. You can never lose it. Nobody can ever take it away from you. No one can snatch you out of his hand because none is greater than he. He is the ruling king of the universe. You see the significance here? And he shall reign forever and ever. Back in uh, the 1900s, there was a, a uh, singer-songwriter named Ira Stanfield, and he wrote a hymn that has been sung so many times, a very beautiful hymn. The words go like this, I don't know about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. I don't borrow from its sunshine, for its skies may turn to gray. I don't worry over the future, for I know what Jesus said, and today I'll walk beside him, for he knows what is ahead. I don't know about tomorrow. It may bring me poverty. But the one who feeds the sparrow is the one who stands by me. And the path that be my portion may be through the flame or flood, but his presence goes before me, and I'm covered by his blood. Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand. But I know who holds tomorrow. And I know who holds my hand. What does it mean to say that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever? I don't know. I don't know about tomorrow, but I know him. You see, that's your faith. It's in a person. Beloved, this world is ever-changing. It's falling apart. And uh, as Brother Kelly prayed just a minute, we watched the news. We don't know what's going on, man, from day to day. Oh, my word. 
What are you going to trust in? What are you going to put your faith in? What stands, what remains that you can really count on to be there? What are you looking for in this world? And there's a whole lot of things that you can, that you can trust. I trust my little old truck out there. But you know, I've gone out there sometimes and it just don't start. I trust it in the government. I don't know, man. There's a whole lot of stuff. What are you going to trust in? Who's going to be there for you? How do you what are you going to count on? Beloved, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You can trust him. You can count on him. You can bank your life on him. So let me ask you a question. Do you know him? Have you ever met him? Can you say Jesus Christ is the same for me yesterday, today, and forever? He's given me life. I live in him today, and I'm looking forward to that eternity. Do you know him? You say, well, how do I meet him? How do I meet this Jesus? You know, the, the reality is, is that, is that all you have to do is just open your heart and look to Jesus because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He died on the cross. He died for your sin. He died so that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly if you would just put your faith and trust in him. We're not talking about faith in a creed or, or uh, a belief or a doctrine or anything else. We're talking about faith in a real living individual named Jesus Christ. He is the same yesterday, the one who came and died and rose again. He is the same today who ever lives to make intercession for you. He is the same forever who is coming again. And we will all kneel before him, as the Bible says. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. That's you and that's me. Doesn't matter who you are or what you are. And I'm just asking you today, do you know this Jesus? What are you trusting in today for life and for eternity? And you say, well, how do I do this? Well, you know what the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you had just come before him, if we just bowed before him right now and said, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I repent and I turn to you and I ask you to come into my life and save me and give me eternal life. I trust you today and I'll trust you tomorrow in Jesus' name. You know, if you cry out to the Lord in that way, and it's not the words, it's the heart. You know, the Bible says, you shall be saved. And if you're saved today, you're going to be saved eternally because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's the blessing of the same. And I just want to invite you today, if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, if you're looking for some place that you can stand, if you're looking for something that's real, so you can count on, you're looking for Jesus. He is the same, and you can trust him. Father, I pray today that as we just come to this time of responding to your word, Lord, that you would, Father, just show yourself so mighty and so real that not one of us today could, could miss it, Lord, that, we, that we, it would be impossible for any one of us just to get up and walk out that door without being made right in your sight, Lord, forgiven, sanctified, saved, 
In the name of Jesus, Lord, right now, would you just take over and let our hearts be enraptured with you and by you, Lord, that we might come just as we are and trust. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's